podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello, hello, hello. How are you guys? Welcome to another edition of Touchy Gooners. It's your boy SV Carboholic on hosting duty. Um, we'll be joined by Dan Coons further down the line, but we have um, a special guest on today, one of our, our long-time listeners, Lyo. Um, yeah, thank you very much for joining. Welcome to the pod. How are you, sir? I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing me on. It's been a long journey listening to you guys. You, yeah, you said, you said um, how long have you been listening for? Since 2018, since the jump, since the World Cup preview. And then obviously since then, all the Lukaku, Pogba, all these debates with Ozil, Sanchez, since then. Then obviously you guys split up and did your own like separate team podcast. I've been listening to the Arsenal specifically because obviously I'm an Arsenal fan. But yeah, man, I love what you guys do. Really appreciate it and I'm glad to be on. Yeah, no, thank you very much for, for joining. Really appreciate it. And, and thank you for the listeners who listen um, on a regular basis. Hope you enjoy the content, the weekly content. Obviously, patrons, um, people who are signed up to that as well, really appreciate your contribution. And um, we'll continue to have more and regular stuff out, um, you know, as we lead up to the season. So let me, um, before we get into the granulars of our, of, the game against Barcelona, Lyle, how have you initially found the summer business? You know, um, the transfers that, that have been brought in so far, what are your thoughts? Um, and, you know, yeah, how, how have you assessed it so far? Yeah, well, um, obviously, no one liked the way we ended last season. Obviously, it was a tough pill to take. So it was very clear from like Arteta, Edu and the whole, the whole, um, the whole club that they wanted to get their business done quite early. They had specific targets they wanted to get. Obviously, the targets we had before and in the past, most of the times we wouldn't get our number one target. So you could see in his press conferences and in, in what he's, his chats and what he was saying that he was very much indicating that we need to get our top targets this summer because it's between basically, I don't see us regressing. I see us progressing. And the gap between City is not massive, but there's a gap. So you can only close that gap with quality signings. And that was really much, um, well, very much, like said by Arteta and the board and stuff like that. So I was pretty much waiting to see what we do. Um, we was quite active quite early. Um, the Havertz one was surprising by all reports. I didn't think anyone was expecting Havertz, but um, I can see where the club are going with Havertz in in the sense that um, obviously at Chelsea, like obviously me, everyone could really tell that he didn't have his best spell. There was there was good periods, there were bad periods, and I don't I don't think he was utilized as well as he could have been. That's a takeaway from the fact that he didn't play that well at Chelsea. But I believe Arteta and the club are signing players with specific qualities for the role in the system we play. So obviously you could say that he was going to, or well, I think he's going to fill in in the role that um Shaka plays, so the left eight in our system. And obviously him and Shaka got very different profiles. Shaka's a more pass-heavy, um, dominant player in possession, where Havertz is more physically um, imposing. He's very technical, technically proficient, but not as pass heavy, more final third action player, finishing chances and so on and so forth. So I feel like in the system we play in our two, three or three, two build up, and with our five in the last line, I'm attacking with five and defending with five. Um, I feel like that kind of profile in the left eight is important because he won't be involved in so much of the build up, but more of finishing actions off ball runs like he's good at and stuff like that, interchanging one, two combinations. So I think in that sense, it's it's a it's a good sign for the system. Obviously, we obviously yeah, we got a glimpse of it, how he was playing in the role yesterday, um, and obviously the games before. I do think he needs to settle in a bit, but I think it could be a positive signing. But it's to be determined. And obviously, with our signings with Rice and Timber, I think those are very good positive signings. Um, both were our first targets. We both got them. Obviously, the negotiations was long and withdrawn, but that's transfers. Obviously. The day and age we're in, we're seeing everything, every second, every day. So it seems a bit long, 
but like maybe 10, 15 years ago when we were signing players like Ozil, Fabregas, or, or not Fabregas, but players like this, you weren't seeing the in-depth kind of step-by-step process of a transfer. So it just seems longer to us, but it's it's a normal process. So everyone just needs to calm up down a bit with that. But um, yeah, it was good signings. Um, obviously, again, me, I believe Rice has been signed to play in this like sixth role. Um, I believe he has the qualities to play in the eight. But I think, again, Arteta and the club would want him to play in the six. Not to say that he'd knock out party straight away, because that's, obviously that's our starting six. But um, the way we play, well, the way I believe Arteta wants us to play is um, the six being more metronomic, so more keeping possession, involved in circulating, recycling the ball, and more the build-up responsibilities would be with, let's say, Timbo, Zinchenko, your inverted fullback. They will take more of the responsibilities of party. Obviously, he had a different role maybe two, three years ago where he was just the only sole build-up player. But now, obviously, the evolution of our team, his profile and roles kind of changed. And I think that's why the signing of Rice was made, to kind of breed that evolution. But I think just the first year or first couple of months, these players such as um, Rice and Havertz, those that have played in um, other teams where they're good players and they've been signed for their qualities to fit in our system, but the system and the roles they've been playing in their um, previous teams were not the same as Arsenal. So it would take them, even though they've got Premier League experience in terms of um, the physicality of the Premier League and knowing how the Premier League and the teams are, in terms of the system and the way we want to play, it will take a bit of time to bed in. And obviously, that's why we can see in, in a couple of preseason games that they've started, um, they might not have been up to speed with other players or might not have shown what we normally are looking for in the team. But again, it will take a bit of time because obviously they've had different systems they've been playing in. And again, we may see a different Arsenal this season because as we said, the evolution of this team has been changing year on year. So what Arteta may want to see in his final, I think he's gone in phase, in his phase five or phase four, may be completely different to what we saw last season. So yeah, I think the signings were good. Good signings got in early. I think we got one or two more still to make to make the team fully competitive and a lot of outgoings. But no, I think the pre-season transfer business has been good. Um, we're getting games and minutes under our belt. So as long as we get um acclimatised with the new players and stuff like that, we can start going into the season and see how we do. So, yeah. No, that was really good. And, and I tend to um align with your line of thinking when it comes to the signings and, and how they're going to be integrated. Um, and, you know, you know, probably some of those signings that we made, they might not have been in you know, our, our first choices, but obviously you've got to trust the manager, give him grace to, you know, evolve and, and see how he's going to fully integrate these guys and, and what, like you said, maybe phase four, phase five fully looks like with these guys. Because whether you want these or not, these these are the manager's guys, you know, and, and we've spoken about it before about how important it is to get the manager's key guys. And, you know, because um, cause, cause some of what I want to ask you about now is you know going into pre-season knowing that we've now acquired these three players what what were you hoping to see and and you know I remember you know for example if we just take the Man United game on Saturday there was a bit of a a very vitriolic reaction online to you yeah. know be, and you know you're thinking to yourself it's only pre-season and and Arteta came out I believe the other night and he said literally look I was integrating three new players into a team three guys who have never played together before He's changed uh, the component of the back four. It looks different. So, you know, you have to... These things take time. It takes time to acclimatise. Now, I, I get the point that some people make that it's a bit of a risk. Did you need to take that risk? But from my perspective, and, and I think Arteta is constantly looking to evolve. You know, we know we had a set way of playing last year. Um, win, lose or draw, it was it was the same. But I think to an extent, um, he wants to layer up on that predictability he doesn't want to be too predictable he wants to have different ways of attacking different ways of pinning people back sustaining pressure different ways of creating chances so um i think we just got a you know uh, it was interesting because i know people asked for pre-season to be a time to experiment try out new stuff now arteta's trying out new stuff people are not happy because yeah. you know, it, didn't, uh, it didn't achieve the result they wanted to against man united so i just think there needs to be an element of of patience and um yeah. you know because we've asked for a squad with more depth. We're now having a squad with more depth. We're now having, you know, the manager having different options to be able to mix and match. So, you know, as something like that happens, no doubt there's going to be some teething issues and teething problems, right? So it's going to take time, especially for players like Rice, who have never played in a, a positional play system before. Havertz, who has 
moved from being a striker to now more of a midfielder again. So he even said himself, he's having to unlearn certain things again and, and you know, almost relearn how to be a central midfielder again. So yeah. these things will take time, you know. So, um, yeah, how have you assessed pre-season so far? Was there anything you were looking to ascertain specifically, something you, you really want to get a looking at? And, you know, how are you hoping this will set us up going into the start of the season? Um, yeah, like, 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 obviously, we've been saying, like, obviously, as I've been growing up, like, no one really cared about preseason when before, like, preseason, you'll see the results, you'll be like, oh, cool. But obviously, as the team's evolving and as we're coming back to where we once was, people are more invested in what we're doing. So, obviously, this, this preseason and a bit of last preseason, I've been taking a bit of interest into what we're doing because obviously, how we play, how the manager wants us to play, how we set up, it's kind of an indication into the kind of things we do in the season. So um, our preseason right now, um, the one key thing I've been looking at is more Havertz. Not to say that I'm not interested in what Rice and Timber do, but I I I, I predict or I kind of know what kind of well I believe I know what kind of um, position they will fit in our system and how they're likely to play. Um, I believe Timber is more of a flip of an inverted fullback, whereas Zinchenko will probably come off the left. He may come in off the right. Even yesterday we saw him coming off the left but just a different option to um, Zinchenko. Similar players, but just slightly different profiles. I think Timber's more physical. I think he's more active in duels. Um, and I, I think they've got similar amounts of technical proficiency. I think Zinchenko's a bit more um, creative and let's say um, his passes are more accurate, more progressive than Timber, just a little bit. But obviously Timber weighs in the physical side a bit more. And then obviously you've got Rice in terms of his physicality, his movement of the ball and his movement um off the ball as well. So um, but yeah, I I, I can um, I can envision how they'd fit into our system. But Havertz for me was like a shock, like probably to many people. So to me, I wanted to see how um Arteta would use him because I heard shouts of him being like a false nine or coming off the wing or in the eight. And it seems like he's picked up um the position that Odegaard had for us last season. So just like the left eight in terms of when we like kind of get into our, our set structure for pressing, like the four four two, he would be with like Enkesio or Gabriel Jesus in terms of pressing, and obviously the build up, he'd be um the left pocket left eight in our um front five when we attack with five. So um obviously the we heard we all heard about the MLS challenge and that people are mocking him online and stuff like that, and and obviously from his performances for the last couple of years, is he's an easy target, but um obviously. Over the past years that we've had Arteta, obviously, like many, I was skeptical when he came in, but I think he's 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 built enough equity for us to kind of trust the kind of direction he wants to go in. So normally, I look at Havertz and be a bit like removing a bit negative, but I really wanted to understand how he could affect our play, and obviously, that's what I've been looking at in the preseason games the most. And um, obviously, the Manchester United game and the MLS All Star games, you didn't really get a glimpse of what he could really do. I feel like it was still kind of acclimatised to the system and stuff like that. It's very early days, like you said. But I think more so yesterday, you could see how we he'd envisioned him playing. More off-the-ball runs, the pressing, um, the combinations, and those late runs into the box, finishing off chances, which I feel like that can add, in terms of our evolution, another element to our game. Goals from midfield, which Old Guard was getting, but I think Havertz is more inclined and more suited to those roles and could probably have a better output than Odegaard, even though Odegaard did exceptionally well. Um, so, yeah, I've been looking at that um, and just seeing, like, how it would work. Like, for example, like, most of the teams we play against will dominate possession and he'd probably be in, like, the last line combinating and, and, and working on those combinations and getting to the final third and scoring, assisting, all sorts. But against specific opposition, like, let's say your Man City or your Brighton or let's say in the Champions League if we get far against quality, quality teams who can probably work out how we're trying to play out their back press us in a particular way where we may, we may be uncomfortable. How we can adjust to that and how we can just make small tweaks to our system, I think is what Havertz was brought in for. Um, Especially, let's say, Brian pressing like a 4-2-4, same way Man City pressed us. They changed our, their press last season in the game at the Etihad because we dealt with their press normally because we played quite similar systems quite well. So they knew that they needed to adjust to us a bit to try obviously get the result. And they left like um, De Bruyne, was it De Bruyne and Haaland up front? And they literally ping balls up to them, ping balls up to them, combination, and they were through through our back line. Obviously, it didn't help us. We had holding in the back line. But um, I see 
Arsenal replicating something like that. So when teams like Brighton, Man City, the better teams, press us in a way where we can't play out, I see Ramsdale utilising his long kicking and accurate ability to find, let's say, with Gabriel Jesus, work with Havertz and obviously create like a manufactured transition, should I say, and try to score goals in different ways. So I, I see Hazard, Havertz applying those profiles with those kind of setups and stuff like that. And yeah, I feel like he'll be very key in the way we play against different teams and different systems because we'll, we're going to have to adjust this season because everyone really knows how we play. And that's one of the positives of Pep. He'll be able to twinkle and change his systems all throughout his time at City. He still keeps the same kind of dynamics, but he just changes it slightly. So giving that bit of unpredictability and giving that bit of edge to his teams and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's what I've been looking at at the preseason games. And I think that um, the yesterday one was really um, evidently um, showing me that those kind of um, dynamics and those kind of things that he's trying to implement are kind of working with habits and the signings and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was a good thing to see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's let's get onto it and, and let's talk about the Barca game. So we won five three. Um, post game, <laughs> Xavi's come out and said he he thought Arsenal's intensity was too much for a for a friendly game, which is kind of funny and kind of ironic when you saw how physical Barca were in in, in that game as well. So I just think uh, it's. What, what I liked and, and what I took from that game was that we definitely took a step up in terms of intensity and sharpness. We looked yeah. a lot more aggressive um, in our pressing off the ball. I think some of the things I wasn't particularly happy with against Man United was that I felt our pressing distances were too big. You know, sometimes Erdogan was dropping into the pivot next to Rice and, um, you know, Timbo, obviously, he was he was pushing on a lot. So there, we were just leaving a lot of gaps, you know. I, I think because of how we play um, and we do commit a lot of guys forward and we do like to defend on the halfway line. So our counter-pressing does need to be very, very good, um, you know, because especially if you're going to play with nominal guys who aren't natural centre-mids like Erdegaard and Havertz, you know, they're more, you know, tens essentially rather than actual yeah. um, eights who, you know, have a 100 million touches. So... Uh, so so it does need to be on job for us to allow to sustain pressure and for us to pen teams in. So I thought we did that really, really well, actually. I thought there were a lot of good build-up patterns and then we were hitting Saka early. Um, mm. who, you know, you could tell they were petrified of Saka when, when, he, when he was getting the ball 1v1, which I thought was great. I thought um, Trossard was picking up a lot of nice spots in little pockets in the half spaces as well. And then what you would see is that Habits would go on the overlap. So, you know, we have some sort of like wide triangles where... The job is for the the interior on whichever side to link up with the relevant wide person on that player to give them support because obviously yeah. especially if you're not pushing the fullbacks on they need options to combine with as well so and I thought Jesus was starting to look back to more of his sharp sharp self as yeah. well backing in um, you know winning you know winning the duels winning the second balls and then being able to advance from there so you could tell that uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name that Ronald Araujo um, the Barca centre back he looked yeah. a bit. He was uh, he was putting in some tasty some tasty tasty challenges at times. So he, he looked a bit rattled. So on the whole, I, I liked I liked what I saw. Um, it was interesting, you know. Part of what I took away from this game, nominally, we would always invert one of the fullbacks. I don't think either White or Timber really inverted in this game. They they both tended to hold their position. So um, you know, so party did have a lot of space to cover. But I felt um, the distances, Havertz and Erdegaard weren't too, too far away when we are in the defensive phase as well. So we had those gaps plugged in. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this, we conceded three goals. But the, the three goals we conceded were more through individual errors um, for me rather than, you know, it being a symptom of the structure of the team. So, um, so I was really encouraged by what I saw today. I was really encouraged by how we were able to pin back a good team like Barca for sustained, prolonged periods, um, yeah. create good chances. You know, on another day, for me, it's a 6-1-7-0 win because yeah. of how much how much we created, how much we, we you know, I think Xavi even said the, the intensity from Arsenal surprised them, you know, and, and I think that, that was a big feature of how well we did last season. It was our ability to just sustain attacks and, and that comes yeah. from being aggressive, in the front line, because obviously, um, once your defenders are pushed up, it means that the attackers don't have as much, you know, space to press as well. So yeah. you, you can really push and and 
that front line, that front five can really be aggressive in how they try and hunt the ball back in packs. Um, so I was really, really encouraged. Um, obviously, we we do have certain things we still need to improve on um, in terms of dealing with certain transitions as well. Um, I, I tend not to be too harsh on our defenders, just generally because what we ask them to do, a lot of defenders would struggle to do. You know, you're asking these guys to defend on the halfway line, defend big, big spaces in behind and eventually every now and then you they're going to give a chance away because it's just it's the risk reward that you take you know you're 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 creating a lot you're sustaining pressure a lot you're managing to pin teams back and create chances so eventually that out ball is always going to be the one over the top so you're reliant on this is why you have big strong athletic defenders that are good at defending wide areas wide channels and you know in Tim Bar White Saliba Gabriel you know they all have that similar profile in terms of they're fast they're aggressive quick to the ball, want to get that interception in. But even in 1v1 situations, they're, you know, they're willing to stand up. So um, so I, I was really, really encouraged. Was there um, any particular highlights, anything you, you took particularly from this game that you'd like to note that was noteworthy for you? Um, There's a, there's a few things. I think touching on your uh, sustaining pressure point, I felt like there was times last season where we would sustain pressure for, let's say, um, 30, 40, 50 minutes in a game, the intensity would be high and we'd be keeping teams pinned back. But I don't know whether it was a symptom of tiredness or just kind of switching off. We'd allow teams to get back in, in games in certain aspects in terms of when we, I don't know if it's a fitness aspect or the quality of the teams or the, the demands of the structure and the system we play, we kind of have a, we kind of have a drop off. And that's when things like uh, your Nottingham Forest, your Brighton's like, um, when we nearly lost to, was it Brentford at home? When we dropped off and allowed teams to start dictating play, that's when we found ourselves in a bit of trouble in terms of those games. And especially the way we want to play, we'd want to control basically all facets of the game. So um, seeing yesterday in terms of, they did score three goals, but like you said, they were due to that down like sloppy errors, little mistakes. So those can be ironed out quickly with more game time and stuff. But I felt like we kept the intensity and sustained pressure for a large majority of the game for we'd have sometimes we do it last season sometimes we wouldn't but this game I feel like there was definitely a message sent by Arteta whether it was because of the performance against Man United or just a, a step up in the preseason training and the kind of schedule we have but the intensity was very very high for long periods of the game and that's pleasing to see because once we sit teams back um we're in our structure we're in our shape that we like um it's very hard for them to get out and if, once we sustain that pressure like you said, we can score up to six, seven goals. And I think that's another part of our plan in terms of being more clinical and being more um, devastating in both boxes in terms of defending one-on-ones, um, protecting your box and, and, and helping out the team. And in terms of when you're in the attacking box, like, for your, for example, your Havertz, your Vieira, getting those shots off, being clinical and really putting teams to bed. Um, once we do that, I doubt many teams will come back. It's just... It's just a thing of our complacency, whether we allow it to come back. And that's more of a mental thing that with experience and being in, being in this position in the position we were in last year, using that and taking it into this season and using that to build upon and, and kind of kind of manage games better, I think. And I think those are why the signings we made, we did. Um, and I think that was very evident in the Barcelona game, um, how they affected play, um, how I think party, even though maybe in our evolution he might not in a year or two time might not find a place on our team but I think still right now he's very important how he progresses play how he does circulate play um his positioning he picks up and the kind of balls he gives to Saka and Martinelli and Trossard and how those wingers especially Saka like in this preseason you can well I believe he's taken he's taken another level like I can I believe that he's seen what's happened last season we're going to the Champions League and we need as much output from our, our, our whole team as possible because we know that um, Gabriel Jesus, he, I think his goals to minute ratio in the Premier League is quite good. But in terms of his output, like whether it be injuries or him not playing, like he doesn't score the amount of goals that you would expect from a striker at the kind of team that we are at. But I do understand that um, our goals are shared amongst our team. And I think it's more of a collective input in, into why we attack with five in the last nine any one of those fives could contribute to the goals we're trying to get. So I believe um, Saka, Martinelli, they're taking their next step, along with Trossard as well, helping out in those pockets, like you said, in the half spaces and 
kind of combining with, let's say, your Havertzes, your strikers, your midfielders, and and he was very potent and and efficient yesterday. In the way he moved the ball, progressed it, and just trying to be clinical as well. So um, yeah, I think we did very well there. I think those are the kind of things we want to see in our preseason and kind of take it into our next game and obviously Monaco and the Community Shield. So yeah. No, it was good. I, I was I was very Saka's looked sharp all preseason, in my opinion. He's looked very, very, very good. Um, uh, I, I've been, you know, uh, I'm not that I'm not a fan of Trossard. I just prefer my wide players to have a bit more pace um, yeah. than he does. But one thing I can never fault with Trossard is that his footballing IQ is top. Um, his ability to make the correct decision in the final third all the time, whether that's left foot, right foot, um, finding the right pass. Is spot on. You know, you saw when he joined in Jan, he got like 10, 11 assists in half yeah. a season. So um, I think he's a very, very, and even though he's someone who might not make the first team, he's not some, he's someone who will see significant minutes because every time he's on the pitch, he always mostly has an impact. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So very, very intelligent player. I prefer him much more as a bit of an interior. Um, I know he played on the left wing this game, but um, he found himself a lot more in central positions because of Havertz, his willingness to to overlap and, um, and and stretch as well. So, um, so it, it was really nice. It was really really good. I like how you know they, they linked up and and they and they shared and they you know it's all about at the moment just building up understanding. Um, I actually thought you know Havertz showed a lot more intensity today um, yeah. in the game off, off the ball. Um, I, I think. It's going to be hard for a lot of people how they evaluate him because a lot of the stuff he does, you know, is off the ball. He he likes to, you know, he likes to stretch in behind. He likes to look for space. It's a, some, a lot of the time, you know, people might be questioning what he's doing, his impact on the game. But even when you look at it last season, how Xhaka was operating in that role, Xhaka wasn't really responsible for build-up because that was outsourced to Zinchenko, right? You know, he was playing a lot higher up. His job was to attack, um, you know, crash the box, you know, look for for opportunities. And I think obviously Havertz is much more of a natural at that. Like, you know, yeah. you saw for the goal he scored as well. I'm thinking to myself, arriving at the back post, especially when Saka's got the ball, that's an easy surefire way to get maybe like 10 goals this yeah, season just by consistently attacking that back post. And, you know, and obviously, like we said, his height is very underrated. So someone like that, you know, ghosting in at that right time, the opportunity is there for him to score a lot, a lot of goals. So I think that's probably maybe how we're going to have to evaluate him and his impact on the team. Um, because I think on the ball, obviously, are that he's not responsible for build-up. And, that, and that's what I'm kind of keen to get across to some people. They, you know, the, the job of ball progression is mainly with the back five and the front five is mainly to, you know... Um, these guys are, are the ones that are going to be getting on the end of chances, um, you know, facilitating cutbacks, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so I, I think he showed some more promising signs, still a long way to go. And I think he's going to have to do a lot to win over a lot of skeptics yeah, and, and, and doubters, but you know, goals are currency, right? You know, if, if he continues to to pop up in the box with, with, you know, he's, he's got a couple now in preseason. So if he does that again, again, against Monaco um, next week, you know, you might start to see the tide turning towards him a bit, man. So, so yeah, I um, so I, so I'm 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 happy with that. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about um defensive lapses and individual errors. Um, you know, I'm a bit like I said, I'm a bit loath to put too much pressure on our defense defenders because I think a lot of defenders would struggle in this system um, just yeah. by the sheer volume of what they're asked to do. But it is vital. They still have to keep concentration. We have to do have to cut out bozo moments. And I'm not sure how much to pin that on them individually or, or whether it's just the case of you think it was just poor concentration on the day. Mm, um, well, I think, obviously, I've seen a couple of the mistakes that we, I think the one against May and I, when Gabriel let it slip or he slipped or he misplaced a pass and then, was it Sancho? He just, he, just, he, he, just, he just didn't connect with the ball and Sancho yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I think, um, it's a bit of rustiness and a bit of a, a profile issue. I think in that particular game, like, like we were saying, um, we're trying out different systems and different ways of the, the way people can play in our system. And I think that particular game, Gabriel was in the scent normally when we're defending or we're building up, or we a free two structure with the five in the last line. So, five, like you said, five in attack, five in defense. And normally, Gabriel's on the kind of left hand side of that three. Um, where um, 
Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. He would normally be operating like the left channel a bit um, until obviously we recover whether Zinchenko and that comes back in the back line. And that game in particular, he was in the center, which I feel like is a role that only really Saliba can play just because of his competencies on the ball his assuredness, his composure. And like we saw under mistakes like that, not often with Gabriel, but he does have the tendency, like again, um, against Man City last year, where Jesus was on him and he, and he kind of panicked and he made a silly challenge and got sent off. So I think that's a tendency of Gabriel. I think it's not, um, it's not reoccurring, but it can happen. So I think it's important that we do get these minutes in, we do find a kind of way and structure we want to play in and kind of get those reps in. I think Saliba in that position, in that centre of the free kind of position with White on the right and maybe, let's say, Gabriel Kivio on the left is kind of the best way we can build up in that free because of the profiles and what, what they're stronger. Um, I think, yeah, Saliba, in terms of his um, composure and competencies on the ball, would be good in that position. Uh, Gabriel, just in that left channel, is aggressive, very physical and fast, and he can hold up um, attackers until we obviously recover in our positions. And obviously, I think Ben White does get underrated a lot by our fans and, and just in general because he's a very intelligent footballer. Um, I wouldn't say he's that strong in one-on-one duels, but I think his positioning, um, the way he defends, his angles and the way he defends, um, and what do you call it, his technical ability as well is very important to the way we build up. And I think the timber, is, the timber signing is very important as well. Um, the way he's played um, in terms of yesterday, he didn't really invert as much as he did against Man United. But again, that may be just trialing different um, styles and systems for different profiles. But I think that can be, his signing could be very important, let's say for a Tierney. So um, a Tierney, obviously, we probably, we know that he's been tried to be, tried to be inverted in kind of the Zinchenko role. But obviously his play style and his, and his, and his competencies don't really suit that kind of play. And we kind of saw that last season where it was a bit awkward for him to kind of invert, dictate play, progress the ball. But um, with Timber, either, well, predominantly will be on the right side inverting, let's say. Tini could be that left-sided centre-back against, let's say, which I think what Arteta was trialling, against a winger such as your Dembele's, your Rashford's, your Vinicius's juniors, where it'll be very tough for most defenders in the world to stop those. But I think one of Tini's strengths is defending, defending quick players, defending angles, slowing players down. And I think we saw that yesterday, as well as, the dynamic White has with Saka, where he can underlap and overlap on that side and Zinchenko will revert on the other side. I think Timber could do that on the right side. And TNE can overlap or underlap, let's say, your Trossard, who maybe needs that movement around him to kind of excel and, and accentuate what he's best at. And I think we saw glimpses of that yesterday with TNE. So, um, yeah, I think it's very good in terms of the kind of flexibility we have in defence. I think they do need a bit more reps. Um, but... We've got a lot of, we've got a lot, I think our defence is complete. We've got a lot of options in terms of how we want to play in the inverted fullback role. In terms of our centre-backs and our different profiles, we can match up against different teams with different players. So I just think it's a bit of finding their positions they want to play in properly and getting those kind of reps in before, um, obviously, we start playing in the season and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree too much. Um, I guess... Looking ahead now, obviously, that's the end of our American tour. Um, obviously, we've had three games out there. We had uh, a game before we went out there. And now we've got Monaco in the Emirates Cup next week. Um, you know, we're, we're very fastly reaching the start of the season. It's only a couple of weeks away. So we have Monaco, then we have Man City in the Community Shield, and then, and then that's it. Um, you know, funnily enough, I'd probably have liked maybe another friendly in there somewhere down the line just to continue to build. But um, maybe they do something behind closed doors. Who knows when they come back to London? We'll yeah. see. Um, what would you, you know, based on what you've seen so far, how are you feeling? Um, and is, is there anything you'd like 
to see whether that's system-wise, personnel-wise against Monaco, or is it just a case of fine-tuning now what the manager's been doing so far? Because obviously the last three game, two, three games that Havertz has, has pretty much started. Obviously, I know yeah. Rice didn't start today because of a, a tight calf. So you'd imagine if he's back in London and okay for Monaco, he might start again. Um, so is it just a case of for the new signings to continue to build up fitness, strength, relationships, uh, partnerships with others? Or is it, do you think the manager should experiment again? Um, bearing in mind, obviously, we're only a couple of weeks away now. Or is it a case of you should look to start to build towards what you'd, he'd hope would be that first 11 for the first game of the season? Yeah, um, I think um, Arteta's pretty much trialled a lot of things, or well, most of the things that we as fans and probably them as a squad would like to see in terms of um, different players and different roles. Let's say your Timber and your fullback and then inverted or your Habits and your eight and then the pressing structures and stuff like that. Um, so I think he's kind of found the kind of, you can see Habits been playing a few of those roles in the eight. So I think he's kind of found the kind of positions, maybe your Habits, your Timbers and other play, people would play. The only reservation I'd have is not in terms of different styles or different ways we could adapt our system, but just our midfield. Um, I wouldn't say it's a big worry for me but um, obviously he's not manager, I'm not manager. I don't know how we're going to set up, let's say, for the first, let's say, competitive game in the Community Shield, whether that be with Rice in the eight or party at six or Rice in the six with party out and Havertz and Odegaard playing. So I feel so, like... Sorry just to interject there. So I feel like a lot of fans would feel a lot more comfortable if they saw party at six and Rice as eight mm. because that sort of mirrors more what we did, you know, last season with party yeah. at six, Jacker at eight that level of strength in midfield. But obviously, I and I think whether you agree or not, we now have four attacking midfielders in the squad in Erdegaard, Havertz, Vieira and, and Smith-Rowe. And we saw Smith-Rowe replace um, Havertz at half-time and Vieira came on for Erdegaard. So for me, it seems quite clear in terms of what the manager wants to do and what is his preferred style in terms of building with two attacking eights. Um, and I know a lot of fans aren't particularly comfortable with that so far. Um, so how, you know, how do you assess that, you know, bearing in mind what, what I've just asked you in terms of how you think he should build and, and what you think he's going to do? Um, that's like, I say that's the most, right now, between our fan base, I feel like that's the most controversial topic right now, whether you want to play Rice in the six or Party in the six, or you want to play them both together. Like that one's really, granted people's minds, and in my opinion, it's just my opinion from what I see from what Arteta kind of wants to take his team and what he wants from his team, I feel like Rice will be eased in, maybe not initially or directly, but when he fully understands the system and what we're trying to do, I feel like he'll end up replacing party because of his qualities that Arteta does like. So, like I said, his, his metronomic kind of like recycling of play, like in our six, we don't, even though this is nothing wrong with party, and that's what people, I think, are trying to like, obviously you'll naturally compare the two because they're going to play in the same position. But Partey has different qualities. He He's he's very much a more progressive passer in the six. He tends to make much more riskier, much more um, opportunist pass six than you say a Rice would. And I feel like Arteta's, like he said in previous comments and interviews, like he said that Rice is like a lighthouse and that he will, he will basically make players around him better. That's what he's trying to say. And I feel like in the sixth role and what he believes in, in the kind of JDP kind of play, positional play system that we do hold, that six is not necessarily needed to kind of progress play and and kind of um, initiate, or well, initiate attacks, but not kind of pinpoint and accurate passes and stuff like Zinchenko or Timber, or let's say your older guard would do. Their, their um, kind of role would be kind of getting it off the defence, um, keeping the ball... Um, as much as possible, even though Rice may have the ability to progress ball or or play forward, I think more of his skill set comes from driving with the ball, being a ball carrier, and I think we'd see more of that than let's say a party who progresses the ball through his passing, and him kind of controlling the game and dictating the tempo. Because I do feel like even though it's a good it's a good battle to have because they're both kind of different types, but um, in games where we'd want a bit more control. Or, where you'd see the games getting a bit out of hand, you do really want someone to kind of keep the ball and bring down the tempo. And I think something that's something that Rice excels at. 
and that could be very poignant and 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 very important in games such as your high level Champions League games or your games against your cities, United's where we might not have the ball all the time. And when we do get the ball, something that party tends to do is go forward directly and try to start a transition or a counter-attack where sometimes we might need to just calm it down, get in our shape and build attacks in our like five five defence, five attack shape where we do create a lot. So um, me personally, I just want to see how that kind of develops and how he kind of adapts to that because, um, again, Rice can play in the eight. I think he's a very good player, so I think he can play in the eight. But um, his profile in terms of, he does turn fluidly, but I have worked with older guys more well suited to that kind of position than a Rice. And I feel like we'd be doing ourselves and Rice and a disservice by playing them there, even though it could work in terms of dominating games physically against your more physical teams. In terms of the way that I believe and maybe, let's say, Arteta believes we want to play, I feel like that sixth position is kind of earmarked for him and it's kind of like trying to get him prepared and assimilated by our system. And then when the time is right, I believe that he will replace Party because of the reasons I said. And also Party, he's not as durable as he once was. He picks up niggling injuries at times we desperately need him. And that, because of how important he is to our system, it impacts, it impacts our play detrimentally. And I think over the seasons, Arteta has been watching that and keeping a keen eye on it. And as long as, as well as Inchenko, which is why Timberwolves was bought, because of their kind of reliability. So, um, yeah, that's something I'll be looking forward for the next couple of games. But I think the way we play in our system, minus a few tweaks we normally have, is kind of set in stone. It's, it's just for me, the kind of personnel we want to put in that system and how it kind of turns out. So, yeah. No, good. Uh, and And I think... You know, we're we're in a period now where I think Arteta spoke post match about how we have a squad of thirty, and you know there needs to be outgoings essentially, basically. Um, and we we've touched on it a lot of times on the pod about you know who we'd like to see go and 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 for what fee, and then you know whether that would then refine certain positions to go again for in the squad because you said you'd you'd potentially like to see maybe one or one or two more. I'd be surprised. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, just purely for the fact that. Yeah, we need a lot of in even in forward lines like you saw today. Balogun wasn't there. Um, Reese Nelson obviously didn't make the trip because of the injury after his new contract, but we still had a lot of options, right? Martinelli and Eddie both came off the bench, ESR and Vieira both came off the bench. Um, so there's still a lot, a lot of options in, in, in the squad. So I guess my, my question to you is if you could strengthen, where where would it be and who would it be? Um, where would it be? I know, but who I kind of have a couple options, but not fully because I haven't. I'm not a scout. I can't assess everything, but I see players here and there, and I can, I think they'll suit our system. Um, I do believe firstly that we do need a lot of outgoings before we sign anyone. Our squad's kind of bloated right now. Um, we need to get rid of the, more so the deadwood. So obviously we open up um wage expenditure and obviously plays in the team for competitiveness because you want to get the right balance between people believe and they can compete for places and having first team starters out of the squad on a weekly basis, which is not good for any team, which you could see from Chelsea last season. So I feel like the outgoings is most important first. And I feel like the the prime position I'd say we'd strengthen is in is that left eight, just because I feel like Havertz's profile is for particular games, but for some games where we dominate position and we want to progress the ball and, and keep the ball a lot, have our pass count high and dictate play kind of. I think that's why I think we've been linked to kind of like your Kudas's, your Kaiseido's before, like just that position where we could dominate and monopolise the ball in that kind of position, um, keep the ball well, keep the ball moving and kind of create opportunities as that second phase midfielder. So I think those are the kind of profiles I think that is important for us to get. Just to kind of in so, so just just to push back on that a little bit because obviously, firstly, Kaiseido and Kudus are two very very different profiles, and yeah. even for Ajax, Kudus has been playing as more of a forward. Yeah. Um, so you know, interestingly, the first time I I came, you moved a bit. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So first time I came across Kudus, he he was playing as a centre mid, but for the last couple of years, he's been playing as more of a forward. So. I and if you believe the reports is that he's being bought, he would be potentially being purchased in mind as being a, a competition for Saka as a as as, as a right winger. So when you talk about 
maybe like a metronomic passer who who clocks up like 100 passes per game. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure either of those fit the bill. I think because how I see it, just broadly how I see it is that we attack with five and defend with five, right? I yeah. think the responsibility of the five is not, of the front five is not to be like a hundred plus passer. Those guys are uh, to create and score via, yeah. via means of dribbles, cutbacks, combinations, whatever, whatever, which is why, like you see, ESR, for example, is is the one who's been used there. He was used there in the second half, right? He's not a hundred game passer. He likes to progress the ball via carrying, right? He likes to carry yeah. um, further ahead. Vieira, He's not. He's very, very different to Erdogan. Even though they're both left-footed, right? Vieira's more what I would classify as a final action player, just final third. He doesn't get overly, overly heavily involved, which is why I think I have a lot of debates with people about what they think is required in those interior roles. But it yeah. seems to be very much at odds with what the manager is doing because yeah. you know none of them like i said all of these guys that are playing in those interior positions like they're, they're attacking midfielders none of them are quote unquote like when, when you talk about a hundred plus I'd, I'd look at what barca have you know a gunduan a pedri verati you know that that type of midfielder yeah. we don't have that type of midfielder but it doesn't look like the manager wants that type of midfielder you know he oh. had 65 mil he 65 mil would have gone and bought you a good 70 80 percent of midfielders yeah. on the market right and he chose for him, he chose habits, you know. Time will tell and time will prove whether he was correct on that or not. Um, but that seems to be how he's evolving, you know, because that's why I say, that's why I often say, you know, people are like, Oh, I want the left center mid to be involved more. But I'm like, that's essentially why Arteta involved in, inverts one of the fullbacks right into a pivot because they're they're the ones responsible for yeah. majority of ball progression along with the center backs, essentially, because you know, even when you look at it. People always ask, why does Arteta keep investing in defenders? But I think for him, he wants to keep the technical level high, which is why you've yeah. maybe seen at the time how someone like Tierney has dipped in terms of, um, you know, his importance to the coach. And obviously we know when Holding steps in, he can't do it. The responsibility of the defenders is, is first and foremost, obviously the defenders, but they're also the first line of attack along with Ramsdale, right? Everyone in that back five, so to speak, is responsible for an element of ball progression to take away from being so focused on the six as the sole ball progressor. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's to open up different passing angles, different, different, um, you know, different methods of progression for different people. Like, you know, you see with Timber, we've all seen the comps when he's on there. He likes to progress a lot via carrying as well, right? So there's different, there's always different ways to skin a cat. So I think, I think my slight rebuttal to what you say is that I just, I'm, I'm not convinced that the manager wants that style of player, right? There. Oh. Because based yeah. on the actions, based on what we have, um, so yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll slightly push back to that. Yeah, okay. just only because um, how I see it is that let's say Gundogan, for example, that's a very good example. Yeah. Like the second phase, a pass every mm-hmm. count, but Gundogan, let's say in his dormant days, in his mm-hmm. early dormant days, was an attacking midfielder. From w- yeah. what I knew, he wasn't mm-hmm. really a, a deep eight. Let's say but you see with Gundogan, I think Gundogan can do it all. I think Gundogan, I, I've seen Gundogan at City as a six. As an eight, as well, a that's, ten. That's the point I'm trying to get to. For example, let's say Mount. So Mount's not being signed, for my opinion, at United to be like your burst in the box, your get all your goals kind of player. I believe that he's been signed and the qualities he's been seen, let's say, by a Ten Hag, which I believe is a very good manager too. Arteta's better in my opinion, but obviously he's still good in that. But um, I feel like he's been signed to kind of, in some game states, let's say, for example, like I mentioned before, your Brighton or your cities where they, they press with that 44 structure and the two that we build up with along with our three at the back will be all marked up. So sometimes you do need that left eight to kind of drop in and provide that option to kind of help with build up. And that's the kind of just slack kind of tweak or changes you can make in your system to kind of deal with those kind of approaches. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though Kudis is a very attacking midfielder, he does have good qualities in terms of he's technically proficient very good at passing, very good in tight space and able to turn fluently. And I feel like those qualities, maybe let's say, obviously it's only rumours, but I can see the qualities that he could bring to that position. And everyone knows how good of a coach Arteta is. No one really imagined Ben White being a right-back when he got signed. He was predominantly a centre-back. But again, we look at players and we look at players now in terms of their qualities, not really what they do in other teams, but what can they bring to our team and our system and what can they add? And I believe, let's say... Again, it may be kudos 
it may be Caicedo, but I see the kind of profiles that they're attaching into where they may be more attacking. And again, Arteta and Arsenal love versatility. So let's say if your Saka's down, he could move to the right and help out. But he also could play in that left eight and be moulding it into a player where he would be coached and coached into supplying that kind of pass count, supplying that kind of distribution and controlling and kind of helping out in that kind of build-up in those particular situations. Same way Havertz, in certain particular situations, may be high and maybe are out-ball when we're getting pressed too much. And again, like you mentioned, the off-ball runs, the final third action, the getting onto last chances and getting onto cutbacks from Saka and Co, where he can obviously um, impact the game as well. So I feel like, for me, like, I, I see... Like, even for Ghana, I think in the World Cup, I don't know if it was a winger, but he played a lot of central positions in the World Cup, what I saw. Mm. And I saw that he was able to affect play massively in those central positions and getting getting on the ball and dictating play and moving the ball forward. So, even though I try to see, like, the qualities in that player, and even though he's very attacking, I try to see how we could coach him and fit into the kind of positions they're, mm. they're mentioning, which would make sense mm. to me. But I do understand the the counter to that argument that he's predominantly more a 10, an attacking player, which wants to well, get an end well, well, Like you said, to, to be fair, it's also a valid argument just because what we see at, you know, other clubs doesn't mean that's how the player is going to be utilised to say if we bought him because, you know, yeah. you know again, Declan Rice is, is a perfect example here. Most would like to see him as more of a box-to-box midfielder, but yeah. to, to, to utilise that ability to carry, travel, the ball, whatever, whatever. But, um, I think the manager sees it differently. And, and I think this is where a lot of the discourse begins to stem from uh, in terms of how the manager approaches it, how, how he sees it, what he wants from, from that role specifically. But I think the most important thing, firstly, is player quality to have enough of it. That yeah. way you can you can adjust, you can tweak, you can... Because look at City for the majority of last season, they weren't really impressive until... Pep sort of made that tweak where he then just started to use four centre-backs and had Stone stepping into midfield. Um, so I think, like you said, quality is the most important um, factor. And then from there, the manager can adjust and make tweaks dependent on game state, game scenario. So um, I, I don't know is is, is is my thing. So I, I just like to... That's why I never openly rule anything out. I just try to yeah. keep an open mind because... Things are always subject to change. And, and like I said, I think a lot of Arsenal fans would be comfortable if we just continued with what we did last season. And don't get me wrong, that worked for the majority of the time. But I don't think we can just rely on that sole purpose being our only way of playing. You've got to be able to evolve because teams adapt, teams do different things. Like even if you take um, Klopp at Liverpool, for example, you know, for the majority of his time there, he played with three very athletic midfielders who did a lot of the shuttle run because... Uh, he had pushed his fullbacks really high and wide, but now look, he started to invert Trent. Now he's mm. bought two really technical, proficient midfielders in McAllister and Sabozlai. So I think as fans, we should never just be wedded to one thing. Um, we should always yeah. keep an open mind. Things are always subject to change. Things will always evolve and, and, and adapt. So um, there are certain constants that will always stay the same. But yeah, I, I just I don't think fans should should be getting too bogged down on X or Y being first choice. Unless it's Saka, because Saka gets his But yeah, Saka got to do, uh, he gets Jordan Rules treatment. But um, mm. but yeah, so I, I, I do think it's interesting. And and I think that's one of the interesting subplots to this season as well. Just how now with a bigger squad, uh, more quality at his disposal, how he rotates. Because historically, I don't think Arteta has been very good at that personally. But do you think that's because... We didn't have the quality to rotate, and we had a lot. That that, 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 that that's a good factor. To see like how he rotates, and he'll. I think this season is a season where we can. Last season, where we kind of exceed expectations, what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. this is a, a real season to judge him as a manager in terms of we've got the quality we need, we've got the mm-hmm. squad we need, but maybe like one signing, maybe if you want to be picky, and we're in mm-hmm. the elite competitions again, four mm-hmm. competitions. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll really see him and what. He is about as a manager this season because he's 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 exceeded expectations to this point, but now mm-hmm. the kind of expectations we are expecting of him is kind of like win the league. If you don't yeah, win the yeah. league, or you don't go far in the Champions League, or you don't get a long run in the cup, we're gonna mm-hmm. think in all this progress for what just to be stalled. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, but I'd ask you like, what do you what signings would you like to see, or if any signings 
in the team or outgoings and stuff like that? So I would have liked, and, and this is probably something that's going to be deferred to 2024, um, a superstar forward. Another forward that can come in and just be in and amongst that rotation. So whether that's... Huh? Jesus ain't enough. I love Jesus, but <laughs> you got to compete for your place, right? I don't want Jesus <laughs> to be undisputed and, and not to have any competition. Yeah. And also, um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I can see Jesus's big value in terms of how he facilitates. He generates so much football, yeah. brings in our wingers into play. And But the reality is, like, he's never going to be... Um, uh, 20 25 goal a season striker. I just yeah. don't I just don't think that'll be it. Now there's an argument to say, well, we had our highest goal scoring season ever last season. Mm. So is it is is that an, a necessity? And 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 I wouldn't I and I would agree with that because I actually like the way we use our forward to drop deep, um, to drop into midfield, overload, and then to to burst in behind. So I've got no issue with that. So whether it's but whether it's another, but again we talk about changing dynamic, right? You're not going to always do the same thing forever. You want to pose different threats, have different yeah. options. I never envisaged Pep playing a traditional striker like Haaland, to be fair. Yeah. So, and how it's affected City is that Haaland scores the majority of their goals and they're probably not as fluid as they used to be. They don't yeah. you know, share the goals around as much as they used to be, but they just yeah. won the treble. So, yeah. so, so yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I would like a forward of some kind, whether that's another wide forward like, mm. uh, you know, I really like Kolo Mwani, um, or whether mm. that's a superstar striker you go for, or whatever. Uh, that that would be my main my main thing. Um, like like I said, if it was down to me, I wouldn't have signed Havertz. I would have maybe evolved the midfield in a different way. Like, I was always a big fan of, like, a Bruno Guimara's type of midfielder. But, you know, mm. I, um, I don't like to wed myself to, to, to one opinion, you know. Like, yeah. you know, if you ask me, like, a dream signing at eight, I like Petri. That's that's a guy I love. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but I'm not I'm not ready to anything. Um, I'm willing to be fluid in my opinions, and you know, like I said, things are always subject to change. So, I'm very happy with the crop of defenders we have. Um, yeah. I, you know, the midfielders. Maybe they're not all to my taste. Maybe it's not how I would approach it. But hey, there's a reason why I'm sitting here podcasting and I'm not the one on the touchline, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'll, yeah. uh, but, but, listen, I, and I'm not one to, I don't want to stifle debate where fans, we all have our opinions. If, no, if, fans if have we, opinions, right? Yeah, and, and, sure. and we're allowed to have opinions. We're allowed to be objective. Otherwise, what would be the point? If we weren't allowed to have yeah. opinions, there would be no podcast, there'd be no discussion. And it would just be boring because everyone would just accept, willfully, blindly accept what the manager does. And, 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 I, and I don't yeah. like that because as intelligent as Arteta is, he can still get stuff wrong. He went and bought William. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, we had Lukonga. We had, it's not like every signing has been an unmitigated success, you know what I mean? So, I think it's mm -hmm. good to be open, to be able to question stuff. And if it's, and if you're wrong, then you you sit back, you change your opinion, you know what, I hold my hands up. I didn't see this. This is why the manager is earning the big bucks and I'm sitting here. So, um, so yeah. So, so yeah. So, I, I, I think, I think that's, um, yeah, I'd so yeah, I'm 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 open I'm open to to whatever, man. But yeah, I'd like a I'd like another forward, a big boy forward at some stage, just someone who can just turn, you know, just a bit of a maverick, yeah, someone who. Can yeah, like, I think the next step for us, and you can even see that even how far City has come, and other teams that being clinical in both boxes is very is like when you get to that elite level, that's the differences between your finals and you winning them and not winning them. And I think mm -hmm. even though the goal count for City might have come down last season to what they normally are expected, um, yeah. they, I, I believe they dominated games more and they were mm -hmm. more clinical. And that's that's probably what Pep wanted in terms of mm -hmm. seeing off games and, and being the difference maker in, you say, your Bayern Munich ties, your, your Real Madrid ties and stuff like that. And I feel like him and, him and, and De Bruyne are, are real like game changers. I think we've got Saka as one. Martinelli could be one as well. But I think more of them can't can't hurt. And I feel like the strike position is very important, not just in, in the system we play, but in general in football, as a build up, um, how we want to play and then kind of finishing and getting others into play. So I feel like that probably would be the next step next year. I don't know what striker you'd get because we didn't know how it was coming. So like mm -hmm. it could be a toss up between a few, but I feel like, yeah, that's the next progression for us, 
Good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we'll leave it there. We've been going for about an hour now. So, um, but yeah, Lyle, I've really appreciated your thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing. Hope hope you no hope problem. you've enjoyed. Um, it's been good to hear your views and thoughts as well. And um, yeah, sure. I mean, the, the team is slowly starting to acclimatize more, integrate you know more of the new signings. We're starting to see more. So hopefully, we can continue this trend um, against Monaco next season and go into the community shield and then the season hopefully with some some really good momentum behind us man but um but yeah thank you lyle listeners thank you very much for listening and um we'll catch you guys on the flip side Network.